Hi, Rebels. This Financial Literacy Month, Rebel Girls teamed up with Greenlight, the debit card and money app for families, to bring you everything you need to be smart with your money and build healthy habits that last a lifetime. With a Greenlight debit card and money app of their own, kids learn to make smart choices with every penny, whether you're saving for something special or learning to invest. Greenlight gives kids the power to be independent, and grown-ups can trust that their kids have money wherever they are. Sign up at greenlight.com slash rebelgirls to get your first month at no cost and start building money confidence for life. There once was a girl named Anne who got a red and white checkered diary for her 13th birthday and started writing in it that very same day. I hope I will be able to confide everything to you, as I have never been able to confide in anyone, and I hope you will be a great source of comfort and support. She named her diary Kitty and started pouring her heart out onto the page. She shared all of her deepest, darkest secrets, who she liked, what she feared, and all the places she wanted to go or words she longed to say. I can shake off everything as I write. My sorrows disappear. My courage is reborn. Anne had big dreams. She wanted to be a movie star and go to Hollywood or become a famous author who wove tales of romance and adventure. Most of all, she wanted to believe in the goodness of all people, no matter what. I'm Deborah Goldstein, and this is Goodnight Stories for Rebel Girls, a fairy tale podcast about the real-life rebel women who inspire us. On this episode, Anne Frank, devoted humanitarian, honest observer, and best-selling author, Annalise Marie Frank was born in Frankfurt, Germany on June 12, 1929. She lived with her parents and her older sister Margot in an apartment at the edge of the city. Frankfurt was beautiful, with winding cobblestone streets, tall stone buildings, and a river rushing through it. But there was a lot of confusion and fear in the faces that passed each other. Germany was very poor at the time, and many people were looking for food, shelter, and someone to lead them back to prosperity. A man named Adolf Hitler started telling people that he knew how to fix Germany and make it whole again. He said Germany had to get rid of anyone who he thought didn't deserve to be there, including black, mixed race, Slav, Roma, or Jewish people. He was very anti-Semitic and claimed that Jews were especially evil and responsible for all the hardships happening in Germany. Anne and her family were Jewish. So were many of their friends. All of the hateful things that Hitler was saying about Jews scared them. There were rumors that he was going to try to lock Jews up or force them to work in labor camps. Already, Jews were being fired from jobs or told they couldn't enroll in German schools. So Anne's parents decided when Anne was just four years old to move their family to Amsterdam in the Netherlands. 
It was tricky at first, getting used to a whole new country and a different language, but Anne grew to love Amsterdam with its meandering canals and parks full of tulips. She learned to read, write, and even tell jokes in Dutch. Anne loved telling jokes and making silly faces, also crafting long stories. To encourage her creativity, Anne's parents gave her a very special gift on her 13th birthday. It was a trip to a bookstore where she got to pick out whatever she wanted. Anne chose a small diary covered in red and white plaid fabric with a little lock and key to keep it private. She named her new diary Kitty after one of her favorite characters in a Dutch book series. Anne was so excited to write letters to her dear Kitty and fill each page with all of her thoughts, dreams, and questions. Even though Anne's family had worked so hard to create a new life for themselves in Amsterdam, the Second World War was growing fiercer and closer every day. Throughout Europe, Hitler and his followers, known as the Nazis, were terrorizing people. Jewish homes and synagogues were destroyed, and Jewish people were now required to wear a special star on their clothes. Jews were forbidden from running businesses, going to the movies, or even walking in the park. One day, in July of 1942, Anne's sister Margot got a letter in the mail telling her to report to a labor camp in Germany. Anne's parents were very upset. They'd heard that German authorities were deporting Jews from the Netherlands and that these so-called camps were really places where Jews were tortured or killed. Instead of sending Margot to an unknown fate, the entire family went to a secret hiding place. It was just a few rooms above the warehouse offices at Prinzengracht 263 where Mr. Frank used to work. Unbeknownst to Anne... He'd been preparing for this day for a while, bringing up furnishings and making sure there was enough food and linens for his family. Anne called it Het Achterhuis, or The Secret Annex. Dear Kitty, I expect you will be interested to hear what it feels like to hide. Well, all I can say is that I don't know myself yet. In order to get to their hiding spot, Anne's family had to wait until everyone had left the building for the day. Then, they took whatever they could carry on their backs through the warehouse, up several flights of stairs to a hidden entrance. This was it. Just a few narrow rooms with blacked-out windows, a tiny kitchen, and a bathroom. Anne had no idea how to make this feel like home. She wasn't sure how long they'd have to live here or if it would ever be safe to go outside again. The only thing she knew for sure was that she was going to find a spot where she could curl up with her diary and tell her dear kitty everything. Hey, grown-ups. Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. Listen. I used to be miserable with allergies from about the beginning of April till the end of August. Sometimes my best friend was a cold washcloth over my face. I couldn't taste my food because my nose was so stuffed up. I couldn't go for a run because my eyes were so itchy. 
Luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so you can breathe better. I've been taking Claritin D for my allergies for years, and it's been an absolute life changer. I can go for hikes, cut the grass, and most importantly, stop and smell the flowers. Ready to live life as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. I have to tell you about my friend Penelope. She is hilarious. She only eats cheese doodles and canned beans, and she loves to sing and fly through walls. Wait, did I tell you that Penelope is my imaginary friend? Well, she is, but she's totally real to me. Anywho, Penelope and I are very excited because there's a new movie coming out on May 17 all about imaginary friends. It's called IF which stands for Imaginary Friends. Pretty cool, am I right? IF is so much fun, with lovable fuzzy giants and bright new galaxies. It stars Kaylee Fleming as B, a girl who discovers that she can see everyone else's ifs. Meanwhile, Cal, played by Ryan Reynolds, can also see ifs. Together, they team up and go on a magical adventure to reconnect forgotten ifs with their kids. IF is from the brilliant mind of writer-director John Krasinski. It also stars John Krasinski, Fiona Shaw, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, Maya Rudolph, John Stewart, Sam Rockwell, Emily Blunt, Aquafina, and Steve Carell, just to name a few. It celebrates the incredible power of curiosity and creativity, and it's definitely a laugh-out-loud adventure for the whole family. IF comes out in theaters starting May 17th and is guaranteed to knock your socks off. What? Oh, Penelope says she wears two pairs of socks at all times. Also, that imaginary friends get limitless refills on popcorn. So join us in the theater on May 17th. Bring your imaginary friends too! Before long, the secret annex was pretty crowded. Not only were Anne, Margot, and their parents living there, but they also took in four more people looking for shelter and safety. Anne knew it was the right thing to do, but it was challenging sharing their tiny space. Every morning, they had to take turns going to the bathroom first thing before anyone arrived to work at the warehouse below. If the sun was bright enough, Anne was allowed to take the blackout screens off the windows during the day, but she could rarely open a window for fresh air. Once the workday began down in the warehouse, everyone in the secret annex had to be very quiet. They couldn't talk or flush the toilet. 
They tried not to walk around, and if they had to, they could only tiptoe in their socks. The next time they could really stretch their legs was at 12.30, when the workers in the warehouse below went out on a lunch break. Lunch was one of the highlights of Anne's day. There were four people from her father's office who brought food and clothing for everyone living in the annex. They also sat and told Anne and her family what was going on in the world, since it was hard to find out. These friends were so important to Anne. They were risking their lives to help out. If they were caught helping Jews, they would surely be killed. But they kept visiting. One of them even built a bookcase to place in front of the annex entrance so it was better hidden. Anne always felt lonelier after lunch was over and the helpers left. Everyone in the annex had to go back to being silent again. Once the workers had left, Anne could walk down the stairs, push away the bookcase, and get some space to herself. Everyone in the annex did different things with their free time. After dinner, they could listen to the news, write letters on the typewriters downstairs, or take a walk through the warehouse. It wasn't much, but it was better than being shut in all day. Anne especially loved wandering up to the attic and peeking out of the window. There, she was high enough to avoid being spotted by people below. It was Anne's only way to see the trees, the canals, and sky, to feel at least a little connected to the rest of the world. As long as this still exists, I cannot be sad. As the war continued, writing became a lifeline for Anne. She jotted down thoughts about everything— what she ate or read, which film stars she admired, even the arguments she had with her mother. She also wrote fictional stories and fairy tales and had another notebook filled with words and ideas that she'd read, which filled her with hope or inspiration. Even though the days dragged on in the annex and all the reports from outside were grim, Anne found a way to dream of new beginnings when she sat down in front of her diary. And on the days where she felt too tired or angry or scared to imagine anything outside of these dark rooms, she wrote about what that felt like, too. On March 28, 1944, after she'd been hiding almost two years, Anne heard a special report on the radio from the Dutch Minister of Education. He urged people to hold on to all their important documents, including diaries, so after the war was over, they could share all that they'd experienced. Anne felt like these words were meant expressly for her. She had pages and pages of notes and letters to Kitty about all that she had been through. She wrote openly and honestly about what it felt like to be stuck inside and know your life was in danger. Also, what it felt like to stare up at the sky through her favorite window or to believe in the goodness of all people, no matter what. Anne started rewriting and editing her diary so that it would be ready to give to the Dutch government as soon as the war was over. She just hoped that day would come soon. I can feel the sufferings of millions. And yet, if I look up into the heavens, I think that it will all come right, that this cruelty too will end, and that peace and tranquility will return again. 
On August 4, 1944, Anne, her family, and everyone else in the secret annex were found and arrested by German and Dutch police. They were taken to concentration camps, where they were forced to live in horrible conditions and work until they were too weak to stand. Less than a year later, Anne died at age 15. She became one of six million Jews killed during this mass genocide known as the Holocaust, along with millions more who had skin colors or beliefs that were different than Hitler's. Though Anne Frank's life was cut way too short and she suffered so much, her voice is still very much alive. After she and her family were taken away, Two of the helpers who used to bring lunch and supplies to the secret annex found Anne's writings. One of the helpers kept Anne's words safe in a desk drawer, hoping to give them back to Anne one day. But the only person from the secret annex who survived the concentration camps was Anne's father. He worked hard to organize Anne's beautiful words and got them published in 1947. Anne's book originally titled The Secret Annex, and later called Anne Frank, The Diary of a Young Girl, has now sold over 30 million copies. It's been adapted into a play, a film, and has even been translated into more than 70 languages. It's opened so many people's eyes to the brutal truths of what happened during the Second World War and the many lives that were lost because of Hitler and his followers. Today, we celebrate Anne's rebelhood because not only did she face violence, hatred, and prejudice, she also found a way to keep dreaming of better days to come. She wrote about love and loss, joy and pain, so that everyone could understand what she was going through and feel her humanness. Anne's words remind us that we are all connected Every person on this earth has a choice whether to love or hate. Sometimes it's a true act of courage to see this, but it's always possible. As Anne once wrote, In spite of everything, I still believe that people are really good at heart. This podcast is a production of Rebel Girls. It's based on the book series Good Night Stories for Rebel Girls. This episode was narrated by me, Deborah Goldstein, and Abby Schur. It was produced and directed by me, Deborah Goldstein, with sound design and mixing by FNK Media. It was written and edited by Abby Schur. Fact checking by Joe Radigan. Our executive producers are Jess Wolf and Joy Smith. Original theme music was composed and performed by Elettra Barjaki. A special thanks to the whole Rebel Girls team who make this podcast possible. Until next time, stay rebel. Can't get enough of Rebel Girls? Well, luckily, the Rebel Girls app is now completely free. That's right. You can listen to the entire library of goodnight stories for Rebel Girls ad-free. 
Plus, check out the app's cool features like activities, trivia, custom playlists, and more. All parent-trusted and kids-safe. Find out more at rebelgirls.com slash audio and download the Rebel Girls app today. Thanks for listening. We believe that stories are magic. So when we find a great one, we can't wait to share it. Far, far away on the planet Florp, a baby named Bobby Wonder was born. But his parents relocated the family to Earth right after the birth. So Bobby grew up having no idea he was an alien. Until his 10th birthday, that is. Can you imagine waking up on your birthday to find out that you can fly and talk to ducks? <coughs> Created by a New York Times best-selling children's author and produced by the award-winning Go Kid Go team, Bobby Wonder is out of this world fun. Search for Bobby Wonder on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.